Hi, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Jessica Brennan and my business, I have um, two. I own Fowler Printing and Graphics in Randolph, Massachusetts and over, which I'm sure we'll get into, but during the pandemic, we spun off a separate division that focuses on um, all cannabis printing and packaging sort of, um, which basically is what this is about is how do we pivot. So I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Hello, Jessica, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, so uh, my beautiful friend, um, Christina, introduced us via email because yeah. Christina is queen of introducing people. And when I was talking to you and we, she introduced me for something else um, in regards of, of my book. But then we started talking. I'm like, oh, no, we need to have you. I need to have you on the podcast because you're the epitome of what small businesses are or what I'm trying to get across to everybody. And so we want to get to know who you are. So Jessica, so you told me what well, you mentioned right from the top that you're from in Randolph, Mass. Yep. Massachusetts um, in the USA. So um, what's your story? So before we talk about work, before we talk about degrees, et cetera, I want to know who you are and um, how you became a businesswoman. Yeah. So I, um, so I'm a mom. One, one important thing. I have a 14 year old son. Stop. Wait, 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 wait. You started as a mom. Like, really? Like, look, you just can't pop into I'm a mom. Who were you before? So I know before mom, before business, before school, who is Jessica? You know, it's so funny because I feel like I've been a mom for so long because I, I had my son young. So it's been a real big part of like my, almost all of my adult life. So it's definitely been a part of like something that has shaped who I've become business-wise, but also personal, you know, but even before that, or even during, um, I'm definitely just inquisitive and I love to learn new things. And I feel like I'm always sort of, um, like looking for different ways to help people or ask questions or find out what everybody's doing. So that's sort of, um, you know, I, 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 I love to be thoughtful. This is something I've actually really worked on this past year is like, how can I show up for people? It's really a lot of it's about just showing up and, and doing that sort of stuff. So I think um, a lot of, you know, my mom ish portion comes out in the business part of it, which is, which is a lot of that. When you, were you born and raised in Randolph in Massachusetts or were you raised somewhere else and you ended up in Massachusetts? Nope. I was born and raised in Mass. Yep. So when you're inquisitive, I mean, being in New England, um, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm in New England. Um, and I have to say that um, I feel that everyone that I meet here, we're just very aware of what's going on. I mean, the, the education is here, huge here, over 215 universities, colleges and trade schools, which people around the world aren't aware of. I mean, Northeast U.S. is education mecca, but the education is one part of it. It's more so the, the, the curiosity of wanting to fix things and grow things and really build up um, something that's e either there and could be done better or something that doesn't exist and we want to fix it. So you said that you were inquisitive. Did that come from your family or did that come from, where did that come from? Where you were inquisitive and you were aware of your surroundings? I definitely think that a lot of that probably came from my dad. He was pretty, he was a lot like that. Um, but I, I do think it's just, a um, part of being an extrovert too, is asking questions. So just being like, what's this, or why are you doing that? Or why didn't you do it like this versus just sort of staying inside and, and 
both have their strengths, right? Because some people are probably really sick of me asking them questions. So um, not to say that it's right or wrong, but um, I I think that some of it really is just like, I like to be social and go out, you know, if things are happening, even just in the neighborhood or with my friends, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. But like, what about this? Or how's everybody doing at work? Or what do you, what are you working on this week? personally or professionally or whatever it is. So I think some of that is just part of being an extrovert. Was, um, was your dad an entrepreneur as well? I mean, cause I mean, cause I, I feel like extra being an extrovert, being intuitive, um, being aware entrepreneurship is all that all the time. Um, and there's, oh, and not even just an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur, those individuals that like, I have no desire to have my own business, but inside a company, they really were the ones that the go-to person that everyone gravitated towards because they thought bigger and differently than the, oh, I'm going to do it just cookie cutter. So was that a family? Again, I, I, I'm, I'm still staying on the family side because I want to know, I want to get a better understanding of you are this person, you came out, you, what, what triggered it that all of a sudden this is who you become? Yeah. So um, Fowler Printing was actually my dad's business. Okay. Um, prior to when I took over. And so, and he, um, passed away 10 years ago. And so that's when I took over, I did work for him for a little while. And then, um, he, he suddenly passed away and I took over after that. And so I did learn a lot of that from him. Um, but he was definitely entre- entrepreneurial in spirit and I'm similar to him in a sense of like, um, I'm inquisitive and, you know, I like to ask questions and, and be thoughtful and that stuff, but also on the same hand, um, you know, the flip side of that is like, I don't necessarily love working for somebody else or really like being told what to do. So some of that comes into like, okay, you know, when it came down to this decision, like, do I stay here and take over this business or do I go try to do something else? I'm like, I don't know that I want to listen. I don't know that I want to be told what to do from somebody else. So some of that is like, I'll never forget my dad telling me at one point in, you know, I think I was probably in college and he was like, I never wanted to have my job be reliant on somebody else. You know, if like I could lose my job tomorrow, but if my business fails tomorrow, then it was my fault, but I don't want to just lose my job tomorrow just because. So, and I never forgot that. And I think that's what, that's a lot of also like, yeah, it's all, it's great to be an entrepreneur, but I think sometimes, um, some of that just comes from stubbornness. <laughs> I, you know what? I love that. And I mean, and you said something so, um, so very clearly. So you lost your dad 10 years ago. Um, I lost my dad six years ago. And so, and entrepreneurs and things like that. I mean, and I can, I can see so many different characteristics in you. I'm like, Oh yeah, I can, I can see the daddy's girl there. Um, <laughs> 10 years ago, when you took over the business, the world was imploding. So 11. So I started my company 11 years ago, but so it was like 2007, 2008, 2009. We're like, what's going on? So you got hit with a double whammy. You got hit with the, with your dad leaving you. And then you got hit with the, oh my God, what is happening with this world? And oh, am I going to keep this business or not? So can you talk about what that was like at that time? Because there's so many people that started their company. I mean, like think about Zoom, um, Airbnb, We'll call it, um, we'll call it, you're thinking about um, Amazon the way it was is now versus the way it was. I mean, uh, even like, Zoom, I'm sorry, um, um, Lyft, Lyft and Uber, none of those companies existed 10 years ago, which is so surreal for a lot of people that are like, what do you mean it didn't, it didn't exist 10 years ago? It's like when I tell people, yeah, tattoos used to be against the law in Massachusetts up to like, you know, it was like about 12 years ago. And everyone's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's just, it, it is what it is. So what was it that, I mean, like, let's rewind of how was it for you back then? Cause you got hit 
were the trifecta? Um, it was crazy. <laughs> I feel like I vividly remember at one point thinking to myself, like, I'm going to look back on this time and laugh because that's sometimes like how I just remember like sitting in that office some nights, like late nights, just being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to work this out. And, you know, in just terms of like, not just finances, that was a big part of it. Like, I didn't really know anything about how to look at a balance sheet or I, I just didn't know any of that. And so I'm sort of like, you know, learning it as I go. And at one point I was like, I don't think this looks like it's going to work out. Like, I'm not great at math, but like, this doesn't add up, you know? So I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And, you know, I just sort of like had these, all these weird turns of events. Like, um, one day I had somebody call the office really late at night and, um, asked for my dad, which was tough. Right. Because, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you don't know, you know, I'm like, don't do that. He's not here. Like I'm still healing. Right. So there's that. But for some reason I was just nice to this guy, which like, I'm truthfully, I wasn't always nice to people when they would ask for him, but I was to this guy and he worked for a bank and he helped me like sort of figure things out. And then to add on top of that. So right before, um, my dad passed away, I had decided that I wasn't going to, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get out. Like I'm going to go do something else. And I applied to grad school. And so like a month and a half after he passed away, I started, um, an MBA program, um, which was like the, ironically, the best thing I did because those professors, uh, I went to Northeastern and those professors, like, I remember sitting in my accounting professor's office, like, how do I look at this? I don't even know what this is. So he taught me. So there was just a lot of like, um, you know, the world sort of came together to help me figure it out, but it was crazy. Like you're not wrong. The financial stuff, the world was crazy. Um, I, I didn't know how to manage people. I sort of barely knew how to manage myself. And I, and I certainly, you know, came into an industry in the printing world where, where it's very male focused and to have a young female come in and take over a lot of people couldn't handle that. And so there was a lot of, um, people that ended up having to leave, or I had to ask them to leave. Like they're just with personalities that didn't mix. And so there was like definitely three or four years of like, I, this is crazy. What am I doing? <laughs> so it was, it was nuts for sure. But I, I just think that like, it, some of the drive certainly was like, I know I can do this and I know I can work for myself and I don't necessarily want to tr like try to find another job or see what it would be like to have a different boss. Like I, I think deep down, like I knew I could do it. I just, um, I needed all of those resources that somehow fell into place for me in those first couple of years. You mentioned before you, um, uh, that you're a mom, you're a mom. Um, you're, and you started being a mom younger. Um, what did you learn from being a mom, being a daddy's girl, starting to run a business? Like, there's so many different things that are going on, but you still have a child. So now I'm adding to the trifecta, by the way, a child that is needy of all, I mean, like they need you more than you could ever imagine. And there's no, there's no you when it comes to them. Um, but now you're grieving, the world is imploding. You're taking over a business and oh yeah, by the way, I'm a mom and I've been with the whole time it's of being taking on classes at, for our MBA class. So one, automatically know you're a type. Number two, <laughs> clearly you're an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs, we're insane and we just pile on. Like um, I always say the normal friends look at you like, why? Like why, why would you do this to yourself? This is crazy. 
And then you don't think about it. Look, you're in your mind, you're thinking this makes sense. But then when you're in it, you're like, what the, what am, what am I thinking? Like, this is insane. <laughs> so how were you able to um, navigate being a, a mom with all of this that you've added onto your plate? Um, it reminds me of this. I feel like I've quoted like a lot of my family members in this podcast, which really isn't like something I normally do, but, um, it reminds me of this thing that my grandmother used to say, which was, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And it's, she's not wrong. Right. Cause like, I think about that a lot. I'm like, that's so true because they're busy because they're doing things. Um, you know, truthfully, I don't know that I'll ever understand or know like what the repercussions of like choosing to go to school or choosing to do this was for my son at six years old or whatever. But what I do know is now I think he has, he definitely is super independent compared to his peers. He can make a decision. He sees me working and I explained to him, like even just in the car ride the other day, he said to me, what does it mean when the stock market crashed? And I was like, oh, this is great. Let's talk about this. Like, I was so excited to explain that to him, you know? So like, I just, I think for him to see me work and see it's just, and he only has me. And so for him to see how hard I, I work and I can answer these questions and I explain to him, you know, especially with this startup business, the second division that I just started over the pandemic. I, um, I think it's really, I think he's going to ask questions and he's going to be curious and he's going to want to know, um, you know, what to do. And he's, like I said, he's very independent. And I think some of that, like I joke that that's from neglect, but <laughs> it a little bit is right. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny that you say neglect. I'm a latch. I mean, like, I mean, well, actually I'm not technically a latchkey kid, but I was raised in that latchkey kid kind of zone where, um, well, my, my dad worked at night, my mom worked during the day. So there was like a human body. There was a body in the house, but my dad worked at night. So he slept during the day. And so we were in school, we came home. My mother woke up at five o'clock in the morning. Food was already ready for us. So when we got home from school, there was a, like a warm meal ready to go. We just had to warm it up. So we just knew how to do our thing. We just knew how to do our thing. We didn't need to wait for mom and dad to do it for us. As long as there was a human being around, if there was like, if we were going to set the house on fire, by the way, dad, wake up, the house is on fire kind of a moment. But I mean, I do love the fact that he's able to see and he's like, I, I, I'm going to navigate what I want to do because she's busy. She's working hard and she's working hard for me. She's not working hard to give it to me. She's working hard so that way I can be, she could be a resource, but also uh, inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hope, right? And, and, and when you have this, when you run a business and you want to run a business and you have this entrepreneurial spirit, it's not like um, whether you have an army of nannies with you or not, or you're just by yourself, like you're going to do it. You're not going to stop it. So I think we've, he's great. And sort of like, he's just always gotten it. If that makes sense. Like he just gets it like similarly, right. I'll put meals in. I have little takeout trays and I put them in the fridge and he heats them up for lunch. And like, that's just what we do. Yeah. yeah. Similar. It's very similar. I mm. love it. All right. So, um, now we'll switch over to the business a little bit. So you get this business. What, what is it? What do you do? What was it when you first got your hands on it? Actually, what was it when your dad first started it? And then how did it evolve to when you got it? Sure. So, um, the printing industry is, is, um, old, right. It's just, it's one of the, you know, it's, it's very old. And I think when you picture the print world, you picture older men in the, in the printing industry. And so when my dad started the business, 
um, in the eighties, you know, he had a couple pieces of equipment in a, in a smaller space and he moved to a larger space, um, in the early two thousands, which is the space that we're still in now. But, um, sort of what I've done when I came in was I'm able to better understand technology. And so we've brought in a lot of new technology to offer new things to clients, but also different software capabilities, um, different uh, ways for them to streamline their marketing operations process, which is uh, an upfront investment and in, in not just money, but time and energy to learn how to do all of that stuff. So I think what I was able to bring in two things was all of the um, ability of technology, but my dad was very, he ran a press, he went to vocational high school and that was his education. So he was a tradesman and a, and a pressman. And I am definitely more focused and say, I couldn't, you could pay me a million dollars and I couldn't turn the press on. I just couldn't. So, but I could go out and have a conversation with any client and meet with any client and he couldn't do any of that. So he, what, what I like to think is that he made the production run so well, because he was so good at it that when I came in, I could focus on sales and I didn't have to worry about it. And so it was kind of a nice mix of that. Like, I still don't worry about production. There's still a lot of the same people that were there when, you know, my dad, that my dad had hired and it, and I, it runs fine. And I manage the sales team and my clients. It, it's, it's funny because um, if you asked anyone, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, most people probably 40 and under, maybe um, sometimes even 50 and under where their newspapers come from, where their printings come from. They're just in their mind. They're just like, I go, I come to your shop. I'm, I'm done. Um, when net, when it was Netflix. Yeah. When Amazon, Netflix, Netflix, when Netflix created Bridgerton and all of a sudden you're looking at them printing out like, someone writing it and now it's going to the printer and they're making stencils and they're like the old school of doing it. I worked in the news. I remember that you had your morning paper. So when I was in um, radio, our 4am version, and then there was the nine o'clock version were two different versions of the paper, the one that was printed overnight. And then if something happened within an like within, I don't know, from 11 to four o'clock in the morning, a whole new paper was reprinted off of the tracks, which was insane, but that's how it was done. So when your dad was in it, was he, was he laying down, you know, when I say, so for anyone that, when I'm laying down the tracks, like letter by letter by letter, printing it out, it was old school way of printing. It wasn't like I'm on a typewriter per se on for, for a lot of different places. If you are a, a small paper, those local papers, they're really doing it out, like rolling like it just, I mean, I could, I could visualize because yeah. <laughs> I've been to so many different printing shops because I'm fascinated by them, but you're taking the paper, they're wet and you're rolling them out. And hopefully a fly doesn't just like pop into your wheelbarrow when you're rolling out a paper. So um, you're saying that you, you just said how you invested and you involved in regards of what it was. So how, how big was a team when your dad started the business to when you got it to now, because technology has made the job easier, but it also has taken away from people having the jobs. So how has your company evolved in regards to the, the, the amount of manpower, um, the quality of the work? I mean, how has that changed? How has the industry changed? Yeah. Um, 
It's funny. Great question. So what you're talking about with the little blocks is like the letterpress, right? So it's like the metal blocks and you see the mirror image of the letter. And then when the ink gets put on, it puts down, you know, the front weight. That's like definitely the old school. It's interesting because you know how old is new again, that sort of um, look has definitely come back in the print world, um, but it just is done differently now. We don't need to do the, the blocks anymore, but that sort of idea of um, vintage looking stuff has certainly definitely comes back. Um, just like I think bell bottoms or what, like we can't part our hair on the side anymore. I don't know, like all these rules, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I So back in the eighties, I, I mean, for sure there was like my mom, I'm, um, you know, maybe a handful, three or four people that probably worked um, with my dad in their first facility that was small. And then, um, when we moved to Randolph, when he moved to, you know, moved a couple of times. And when he moved to Randolph, my guess would be, um, we prop when I took over, there was probably about 15 or so people. Um, I think that I maxed out close to 30, um, a few years ago, the pandemic w- wasn't great to us. Um, the print industry, we have a lot of clients in hospitality, tourism, trade show industry are a lot of industries that we do work with. And, um, I, they were just, especially the restaurant industry. I mean, they were hit so hard. So we definitely have felt it. Um, and so we're back down, uh, to the high teens right now, but great news is I've um, been talking with my production manager about a few spots that we're going to rehire for. So it's looking promising, um, which is nice, but the technology in terms of technology sort of, um, evolving and changing the industry. So a lot of it comes from, um, traditional offset printing versus, um, what we call digital printing, which sometimes can be confusing because when people think digital, they automatically think computer, but all that really means is like, there's no ink and plates, like just picture like your office copier, but like on real steroids, like it's huge, huge, huge. Um, and what that allows people to do is to personalize what they send out. So I'm sure you've gotten like postcards and appeal mailings and all those things with your name on it. And like any other personal information, the digital printing allows for that to be done um, versus the traditional way that it's done with ink and plates and that sort of stuff. So that's one of the biggest transitions over the years from in the print world. Um, Recently, two new pieces of tech, uh, technology equipment that we have include um, large format printing, which does a lot of really big signage um, imprints on anything, prints anything two inches thick. So like COVID era, we did a lot of COVID signage in the floor graphics and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece of equipment we recently got was something that does embellishment. So it adds text, um, texture and and makes your pieces like really tactile and stand out with UV texture, foil, that sort of stuff. So this part of what is evolving in the industry is making those things really more, um, accessible where they used to be so expensive to do before the technology, the software, and that sort of stuff has made it really accessible to sort of everyday print jobs. So it's so funny that you just said that where, um, so I love that. I mean, I, I'm always a big fan of the texture. I mean, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a tactile learner. So that whole entire concept, if I'm looking at something and it's, and it's flat, it just doesn't do a darn thing for me. It's like when um, I take, I, I'm, I, um, when I was younger, I learned how to speak English by taking photos and a film was so different than when digital came out and digital was like, it was just flat and, the, and you're, you were losing the depth of it. And then of course, cameras have evolved and they've gotten better where now you can see the richness of it because 
obviously that was the biggest complaint. With a lot of going from digital to, um, I think your son needs you. No, he's good. <laughs> okay, he's good. Okay, good. <laughs> I think that's one of the things where when you are going from, um, when you're printing something and it's flat, people are like, it looks, it's good, it's easier, it's cheaper, but it looks cheap. Versus now with the richness and the texture, it's like people are like, oh my God, I'm getting a lot for it. But in the same note, because I'm getting, it's looking so great and it's like it's textured in this digital, how are you making the money? Because the, the, the equipment is more expensive it's lesser for the customer. How, what's that, that, like that, um, break, break even. Yeah. So, um, there's so many studies on embellished and enhanced print and mail. And I mm-hmm. wish I had some of these statistics for me to give you right now, but I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head, but, um, it, when you embellish or enhance something, we t- we can definitely charge more for that. And, it, and clients will pay a premium for it because yeah. particularly when you're um, talking about, this is huge when you talk about packaging. So when you're talking about shelf space or point of purchase sale, that sort of stuff, if you're in the store, um, things that are embellished and enhanced are recognized faster by the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trusted more by a consumer and anything that sort of has that bling to it definitely gives value to the product. Like almost sometimes regardless of what's inside. I mean, I always, always. Right. And, and I, I, (laughs) I know this and I still fall for it. Right. I mean, I like practice this daily and I still go to a store and I'm like, Ooh, like I fell for that. Like good for me. Not gonna lie to you. Good marketing is good marketing. I mean, the the amount of people that I know or the amount of people that I've worked with where I know what I'm looking for. When I see something, they're like the bells and whistles and the logos, the colors. And I look at them, I'm like, but this is garbage. And they're, they look at me and I'm like, but I'm a marketing person. I can get past that to see the product is still garbage. So let's work on this. So that way everything aligns. Yeah, totally. And so, so and I, I wish I could say, I, I always think that, but don't, I still, I definitely <laughs> fall for really good packaging, but sometimes, you know, it's really interesting to like go to a store and go to a restaurant and always be like feeling the menu and feeling this and be like, what's this? <laughs> I'm like, why can't I just enjoy myself tonight? Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm the same thing with marketing where it's like, I went to Disney with my mom um, two years ago and she's like, you can't turn it off. I'm like, oh my God, the marketing Mecca. Are you joking? I mean, I was beside myself and she's looking at me. She's like, can we just turn off work? I go, it's not work. It's just what I love. Yeah, exactly. S- same thing. I mean, I definitely, my education is marketing. So I love that portion of, I sort of, um, I, I love to call myself when I talk to my clients more of a brand champion. Like I'm really just, I love, I, I want to help their brand because I love to hear the stories behind how they've created that and sort of mm-hmm. what, um, what they've done to, to make that work. So I, I love the marketing aspect of it for sure. I love so it. the embellishment and the enhancement to just go back to that. Oh. I can, I can there's a premium that will be paid for that, but it works out for the consumer because when you're on a shelf of 20 other products that sell the same thing and you can make your, I mean, there's a split second decision for when you're in a store buying something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's packaging and it's the retail. So we do a lot of um, retail displays as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the tiered displays and stuff that's in the stores. And those are so important. And to be able to, able to um, effectively add enhancement and embellishment to that, that is, you know, um, because of the technology, it's not as expensive as it used to be. And so mm-hmm. more clients can get it and it, and, and, and it helps their brand and especially new startups. I mean, so like when we're talking about smaller, um, smaller product launches or, or new businesses, it's huge for them. 
to stand out? Well, it's, it's so important because I think that people don't, this is where people take for granted when you're at the market and you're at the, when you're at the end caps, those well-designed end caps at a store is huge. And so people are like, like people always think like, oh, I want to get my item, especially as startups, they just get into Whole Foods and we want to be right on the aisle. That's great that you want to be able to ride on the aisle. So if you're in the aisle, your labels have to, have to pop without a doubt. I mean, you have your logo, you've done your due diligence, but it has to pop. But when you have an end cap, if you're lucky to get an end cap, I'm going around the corner, catch my attention. When I'm walking to the store, if you're a front end cap versus a back end cap, you have to like really get my attention. And sometimes you take it for granted where, oh yeah, it's just Frito-Lay. I'm like, no, it's like they're there for a reason and they know how they've designed their chips to look the same in a certain way. They, I mean, they get the, 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 the supermarkets get the look and they're like, it has to look like this. Or my vendor comes in and we're patching, we're layering it down this way because our designer has told us color-wise, style-wise, everything has to look this way. And I think that you know this because this is your world. Most people would not know this. All they're knowing is, oh my God, I came in for one thing. I will, I walked out with 10. Yeah. And if you did your job well, they walk out with 10. And a lot of that also comes down to brand consistency, which I think you touched on a little bit. Everything has to look the right way. Right. So you can't have, um, an end capture or a display that looks one way, but maybe your packaging isn't printed the same, or it doesn't have the same type of, you know, embellishment, which is nice. And, and, and we've sort of really over the past years focused on and, and want to be able to offer a lot of things in one shop for our clients to be able to say like, if I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be a champion of your brand, I want to make sure I can say that through all of your marketing avenues that include a tangible product. So if, if, if I can control what your logo and your colors look like on multiple uh, marketing pieces, point of purchase, like product, whatever, then I know that I've done my job in saying like, I'm going to do the best I can for you to sell to your consumer. How do, um, I mean, I'm going to jump on the, the, what did the pandemic, how was the pandemic for you? But before I do that, how does an industry like yours, I mean, how, how do you, I mean, so you're, we're in the industry right now of printing. How does a small printing shop local compete with the large ones that are online where I just go on Vista prints and all those, all those big, huge things that are out there um, with the move that just move.com that just moved into Rhode Island a couple of years back for I'm printing all these companies are making it easier and a lot cheaper for startups and small businesses to be able to print up their, their items. How do you compete with that? Um, that's a great question. First of all, moo.com is a, such a cool company. They're really, I, I, I actually love these businesses on some level because um, printing is a funny world because we could have, you know, five print shops in my industrial park and none of us would compete with each other. And so we have, we definitely have our niches for sure. Has online taken away some of the business? Yes. But to answer your question for me personally, I think it's a couple things. Um, one of it comes down to service. And so depending if somebody's buying a large quantity of print in multiple different avenues, packaging, print, large format, et cetera, um, they're going to be going to multiple websites for that. So if they can come to me or, you know, one of my salespeople and work with one person again, in this brand consistency world, then that's helpful for us in terms of being able to service them, to go see them, meet with them. A lot of our clients are local or will zoom with people to have that sort of really uh, personal service. But 
Um, for me and for Fowler, I think that one of our uh, top competitive, you know, differentiators is the fact that I'm not an old man. And I, <laughs> I was like, how do I say this? I'm just going to say it. I'm not an old man. And I think that um, to have a, a, a lot of print shops are owned by older uh, print, older press operators, which is, um, which is normal. But for me, I think a lot of times, sometimes I go in and talk to clients and they're like, oh my God, like, oh wait, you like, you understand this. And I was like, yes, I have a marketing background. Like I know what you're trying to do. And I'm not just trying to take an order from you. I want to sit in on your, I've been in so many marketing, like strategy meetings with clients that I don't have to be there, but I, I want to know, you know, they want me there. And I think that for us, that's, um, to, without sounding too vain, I think a lot of times I'm the differentiator for my, well, no, no, I, so I, no, I love that you just said that because I mean, um, you are in a male dominated industry. Um, I, I mean, there are so many individuals that I've spoken to through this podcast and it is very surprising how it's still a male dominated industry. So you walk in the room and yes, that's right. You stick out. This is fantastic. But I mean, but are they engaging with you because you are great at what you do or because you're a woman and you're a checkbox? Um, I think it's probably a combination of both. But what I would say is that I think it's turning more to um, appreciating and thinking that I'm good at what I do. And I think a lot of that is because the marketing teams and the people I'm working with are also similarly 20, 30, 40 year old women. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes do we get, um, oh, you're a woman owned business. Great. I'll do business with you. Yeah, for sure. And also at the end of the day, I'm like, fine. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> so yes, we get that. But I think that we're definitely seeing a, a shift in, in the departments I'm working with and the people that I'm working with, and they've been working with, you know, older gentlemen for so long that when I come in, they're like, oh, this is different. Like I get, you know, it's, so I think that, um, it's almost like reteaching people yeah. sort of like what a print vendor can be. March, 2020. Oh, March, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> March, 2020, the ruffling, the buzz, um, Governor Baker is like, we're going to shut it down. I mean, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Mexico. Like, I mean, March 20, I'm in Mexico and literally I'm on stage. And one of the questions during Q and a was what's happening with toilet paper in the U S and I'm like, what? <laughs> and me not like, what are you talking about? Like what a random question. So what happened to you at that time? Where were you in regards of now you're here? You, I mean, you, you, there's, there's talk, but all of a sudden Monday, Okay, so Friday the 13th, everyone's like hearing about it. And then Monday, so Friday the 13th, um, I land and Governor Baker says on Monday, we're shutting, we're shutting the state down and we're following suit with all these different other locations around the world. What did that, what was that time like for you when you started getting the wind of it? And then what did the year look like? Yeah, so we definitely... So January, February, first half of March, 2020, I was poised. I, I, I was going to have my best year. We were going to have, I, I just, the economy was good. Things were good. I had so many good meetings set up and I had, you know, even in the first part of the year, I had met with so many people and I was like, I'm going to have my best year. And then right. March 16th, um, March 13th, whatever, you know, 
we, we slowly sort of saw like, um, I, we're going to cancel this job. Cause I'm not sure if we're having that event or like, I don't, we don't really know what this looks like. So we're going to just put that on hold. And that sort of started to build through the end of March. And, and I vividly remember in April, um, sitting in my shop with my production manager. And it was like a Tuesday at one o'clock, right. When every piece of equipment should be running. And it was just the two of us. And I was like, well, this has been fun. Like, it was really nice knowing you. <laughs> I mean, there was a time where I was like, cool. Like, thank you for all that you've done, but I don't know what we're going to do from here. Um, and it was a lot of, it was scary. It was just, it was scary for a lot of, you know, sometimes marketing is the first thing to go when there's budget cuts anyway. So then without the events, without the hospitality, um, yeah, we were nervous and, 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 and the government, um, funding definitely got us through that, that summer for sure. The, the PPP loan. I mean, it was, I, it was probably, it was great for small business for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that was helpful, but additionally, what we ended up doing was spinning off a separate division, um, of Fowler. That's a, a, I have a partner in this and he and I spun off a, uh, packaging and printing for, just for cannabis. So we sort of, uh, work nationwide with cultivators, growers, manufacturers of products that get sold in dispensaries and work on packaging and printing and retail displays and things just for that industry. And so what we were able to do was, um, Fowler had done a little bit of this before. So I was a little familiar with the industry, but not super familiar. And so what, you know, in the slow downtime, we were able to really understand, we did a lot of market research. We reached out to a lot of people in the industry and just were like, Hey, what are you seeing? What do you do problems with packaging? What do you wish you could change? And, um, the industry is so, so helpful. And I think that's so new and they're not, you know, like scorned yet. And it's not like, I'm just trying to talk, like, to start a commercial print business over this past summer would have been dumb, but to be able to reach out to these cannabis people, I mean, the response has been so great. And so, um, that has, I think has been a really great avenue for us to, you know, have additional revenue, have additional, um, clients nationwide where we don't normally get to do that. When you are um, going into like when you're looking, well, I'm sorry. Let's just like uh, I'm gonna change the question. How were you able to manage your team? So the world is imploding the second time. So you lived through it the first time when you took over the company, and now it's like happening again in a whole different way. How are you able to manage um, you, oxygen on you first, self care, the business, not freaking out, um, and also take care of your team that. Oh my God, what's going on? Because think about when you took over the company, when your dad passed away, then the economy was bad. They were, a lot of them were with you during that time. And now we're seeing it again. How were you guys prepared and how did you survive? Like, how did you get through it? I think um, mentally and probably just growth wise, I was much better prepared because um I wasn't, I sort of had been through, like you said, we'd been, I'd seen the recession. I I saw the tail end of it. So I definitely, um, I benefited a little bit because I was like, Oh, look at how much we're growing. But like a lot of that was the economy, but, um, I, you know, I was mentally, I think a little bit better prepared for it, but I'm not sure that anybody could ever have been prepared for sort of what we went through last year. Um, to, to say the least, I, <laughs> part of me wants to say, I have no idea how I did it (laughs) because that's sometimes how I feel. Um, 
But, you know, I think a lot of it was just really being open and honest and transparent with mm-hmm. employees. So, and that's not just, you know, office employees or salespeople or production employees. It's, it's everyone. And mm-hmm. just saying like, this is what's going on, or we have funding or we don't have funding, or we have this job coming in, or, um, you know, we're cutting, of course we had to cut hours a lot. Everybody can only work 30 hours a week. I mean, we definitely had to do all of that just to yep. survive. But part of what we really wanted to do was make sure everybody understood, like, we, we do everything that we can to keep you employed. We'll do everything that we can to keep health. Like we paid full health insurance to everything for everyone just mm-hmm. so nobody lost that. So it's like anything that we could have done, um, to, to help our employees through that time, I think is what helped me. Is that, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense? I yep. just wanted them to feel like we were transparent and we, I needed them to know that like, <clears throat> This wasn't like a time. I'm, I'm not just like, well, bye. Like I'm going to give up. You know, I, I, it was a lot of discussion really is, is kind of what it was. And a lot of talk with peer groups, you know, other print shop owners and other business owners in general, and just seeing like, what are you guys doing? How do we handle this? How did you talk about this? Just learning from them. So I love that you just said that because I think that one of the biggest fear with most people when they're running their businesses, they don't talk to their peers. They don't talk to their counterparts because look, where they're my competitors. So I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to know. I I don't want them to know what's going on. And I think that during this time, more people were doing it, or at least more smarter people were doing it. So how, um, I mean, did, did people approach you first or did you approach them? I mean, how open were people to figure out like, how do we keep our industry going when this is like an absolute blank show? Right. So I I think you're right. A lot of, so two things about that. I have some local relationships with other printers that we do trade work for. They'll send me stuff. If I can't do it, I'll send it to Mm -hmm. them, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, But bigger than that, we're part of a peer group of printers across the country specifically. So they aren't our competitors. And so we meet several times and it's like full financial disclosure. So we look at everybody's like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. this is great or whatever. And so during the pandemic, there was a lot of zooms with those other business owners. So you can have that, um, support and that ask those questions that maybe you wouldn't want to ask your biggest competitor down the street. But I think that, you know, and I get that because I've been to a lot of networking events locally that involve printers and it's like, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Like, I'm like, Oh, yeah. what is it? Like, this is, <laughs> you know, so, um, to, to be a part of a group like this and, and, in in any industry, and if it doesn't exist in another industry, like somebody should start that because yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it, it has been almost invaluable, for us and for all of the other members of this group, not just during this pandemic year, but just in general to anything. Like I know if I have a problem with anything, I could email these 10 people and they would tell me how to fix it. I love it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that where people don't do. I mean, like, I mean, people do not, they don't know how to find the right people or someone's riding on their coattails. And so it's frustrating when you're looking for someone that you're peers with. And yet now you're like, oh no, they're just in this group because they're riding on everyone's coattails, but they're not offering anything. And so how did you know that this group was the right group for you? Well, again, I mean, so my dad started this group. I feel like talk about riding on someone's coattails, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, He had started this group back in like the nineties because he felt similarly about it back then. He would, he, he's like, we need, like, I need help. And the group has evolved, um, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously since then and companies have come and gone. Um, and, and 
is it the right, you know, and there's some people that would, you know, should we have this person join? Are they the right size? And so I think what it comes down to is just saying like, this is what we're looking for in a group, mm-hmm. or this is what I'm looking for if I want to join a group. Um, and this is what I can offer. And, you, you know, will somebody be able, will these people be able to help me? You know, cause when you're talking about businesses that are a million dollars or $40 million, like yeah. it, it's, dip, you know, it's easy to say like the problems are the same. They're just larger, but it's not always the case. So mm-hmm. I think you have to find the right, um, I think it really comes down to similar size businesses and similar offerings. Mm-hmm. And then you can really relate to, to sort of your industry peers. But I, I think it's also important on some level to have input from outsiders too. So like yep. find almost like your own private um, board of directors, if you can, that maybe necessarily isn't somebody that um, is in your industry, but somebody that you trust. Or, um, you know, I have a few women in town that I'm friends with that we just sort of have these like business, like, you know, whatever at the bar or whatever it is, but like, we have these like business meetings where we just talk about like what's going on and Mm -hmm. what's going on in your business or what's going on in, you know, at your company and, and how can we, like, what do you think about this? And similarly, if I needed to ask somebody, you know, one friend who's a CFO and if I needed to show her a spreadsheet, she would look at it in a minute if I, you know, so it's like, you have to find those people that you can just trust. I mean, we can't all, do this, we can't all do everything, right? It can't be everything to everyone. So I think it's really important to find that like personal board of directors for sure. I love it. Um, How have you been taking care of you? Because you are balancing so much. I mean, I feel like for a, we've just evolved through 10 years. I mean, we, we touched your, your youth, but the past 10 years has been really a defining moment for you in your life from pandemic from the economic blow up to a pandemic pandemics that are happening, um, raising a young man, you have your entire team, the industry is evolving. You know, how have you been taking care of you? Um, wow. I wish I like really be like, this is how I do it. (laughs) I think it ebbs and flows. I would love to say every day I get up at five and do yoga. That's not the case. I think it ebbs and flows, right? Like I definitely get into really good patterns sometimes about like, um, working out and making sure I get, um, the right amount of sleep, which is a real problem for me. The sleep thing is not always great. Um, you know, I, that sort of stuff. I wish I could say all the time I'm great at that. I'm not, but I really do try. Um, I think it's easier for me now that the weather's nicer. Um, I just feel better, which is, I I think weird. Some people find that weird, but I definitely like the other morning I woke up and it was sunny and I was like, let's go. It's great. But like, you know, February 2nd when it's gray, I'm like, Oh, I can't, like, I can't believe I have to do this again. Um, so it's a, it's a combination of both, but for me, I really, um, love travel, even if that means like a long weekend away somewhere, or, yeah. um, you know, I travel alone a lot. Um, cause sometimes I just like to have some me time. I've seen a lot of different cities. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just like, and I think, which has been tough for this past year, right? Because I haven't been able to do that. Um, but I think when I can get that back and I can sort of start doing that, even if it's like Friday to Tuesday, like I love that, like a little bit of alone time. I don't have to tell anybody what's going on. I don't have to answer, um, like an email from a teacher. Like, I don't have to do any of that. I can just like, go look at this city. I can go, um, like to this jazz club. I could go to this museum. I could go to this dive bar. Like I could do any of those things that I want. I think that 
that to have those breaks has always been really important for me. I love that you say that because um, I, so I will get on a plane at any time, anywhere, go and randomly like I me, mean, like I have, a, I had a friend, um, a former colleague, I should say that she said that you should always have a, a, a bag in your, in, at your door and inside this bag, it's like a hot and cold. So at any time you're just randomly just go to the airport and like, what's the cheapest ticket? And then just like go somewhere and be prepared for, it could be a hot area or it could be a cold area, but either way, just spur the moment. And I mean, those moments for me are huge because I'm such a high energy person. And I'm always go, 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 go. But when I just go off and it's, it's funny because I, all I need is like a Friday to Tuesday, or it doesn't take much to refuel. And people are like, well, I need to be on the beach for a week. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. Don't mm-hmm. need that at all. No. And I could even be in a, in Chicago for a weekend. Like it doesn't have to be a super relaxing. Sometimes it's just like not looking at these four walls or not looking at like yeah. the same exact thing. And, and I think the uh, traveling alone, and I highly recommend, um, especially women. Sometimes I think women don't love the idea of that, but if you can do it, I think that it's so important. Like you learn so much about yourself and what you can accomplish and think about and do in like even two or three days, um, by yourself is, is, I think it's, it's kind of, I love it. I I, I really do. So similarly, they have a few websites and apps that do sort of something similar, right? You can sign up and say like, this is the type of vacation I want. And you don't know where you're going to like, you get to the airport. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm dying to do something like that. So oh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been planning where I'm going to go next and everyone's like, where are you going? I'm like, I go, it's either Iceland or Dubai. And everyone's like, that is so crazy random. I'm like, it is random, but I'm a random person. So it works right. out for me. Um, where do you see the industry going? So we, the world opens up again. Um, a lot of conferences probably won't go live till 2020 in full capacity. Um, a lot of restaurants are still not open, like the big and the bigger scale ones. Um, people are emailing, people are sending PDFs, but where, I mean, where do you see the industry going from this point to, I don't know, in a year from now? It's packaging. That's where it's going. Um, it, that's not going anywhere. And it's actually growing because things are getting shipped so much more. There's a lot more online purchasing um, and there's a lot more startups, especially that maybe came out of the pandemic or have come out of just, um, you know, people lost their jobs and like, I'm going to go out on my own or I've had this idea for so long and now's the time for me to execute it. Um, And those, those places, if they're selling a product, everybody needs some sort of packaging and, and, um, it's really slated to grow in, in the next 10 years, that, that um, division of, of printing. And I think that we're really going to put a lot of time and energy in figuring out how we can grow that for us as well. I think that's, that's fantastic because obviously we all know that we order things to Amazon. We all know that mm-hmm. packaging, but I mean, even so once I get, once I get past the Amazon, it is been, I mean, I, the packaging of the things that I've purchased have been amazing. And a lot of local, I mean, a lot of local things, um, or I should say not just local, but small businesses. Like, so I, I, I interviewed a young woman from, um, from, um, Tennessee and her sauce, it was like, it's like, it's like a sauce where her grandfather gave her the recipe and she's a vet and the packaging was just like so perfect in every single way. Um, earlier when I started the podcast, I interviewed 11 year old that she, she goes to uh, exactly. She's 11 years old. She went online. She's like, I, I want to start my own business. And her parents were like, we're not, we're not funding this. She's like, I'm going to use my own allowance. And it was like, I just saw an email from her dad saying she just made a full profit 
for the first time. She like paid off all vendors, but lip gloss, which I mean, literally I use her lip gloss all the time. I mean, it's, and the packaging, the way that it came delivered was spectacular. The box, the way, I mean, it was just, it was spectacular. So I am investing in the small businesses, a lot of the small businesses that I'm like, I'm interviewing, but I'm always impressed when it comes to your door. I'm like, Oh, look how they did this. The confetti, the sticker that, I mean, it's just, it means a lot. So I do love that the packaging will uptick and a lot of companies that never thought about e-commerce, they're, they're breathing and living it now. Exactly. We can never, we can never, we can never. And they were like, well, you have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think for us, sort of what we're finding in the packaging realm as we've um, in this past year sort of slowly been wading into the water um, that people are really hungry for a good quality domestic packaging manufacturer. Um, There's a lot of problems when people are buying things overseas, um, not just in terms of turnaround time, but quality and customer service and just consistency of product. And so we're really sort of honing the ways to figure out, to say like, how do we um, be competitive price-wise? What can we offer in that aspect? But also how can we help you? Again, it all comes down to brand consistency and Mm -hmm. how can we help you market your business here? So you have a person to talk to, you have somebody reliable, but also you're not worried about uh, breaking the bank because when it comes to purchasing things overseas, a lot of times we all know, right. You it's cheaper, but sometimes you end up getting what you pay for. So how do we make that maybe not as not, maybe I can't do it the exact price, but how do I make that more competitive for you? So Mm -hmm. you can sell more of your product because at the end of the day, if you're buying a cheaper package, but seven pallets of it are stuck in Japan because of a storm, which is happening to one of my clients right now, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter because you can't sell your product. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, well, a well, lot of it is, well, I'm so sorry to interrupt that you just said, it said a huge thing where it's stuck because of a storm. The ports were closed. The ports were closed. And so working with you, do you have local vendors that you've designed everything? I mean, are, are you creating the packaging packaging in-house? Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think that's something that people need to hear because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm working with you. You're designing something, but you're shipping it off too. And you're getting it. At- no. Okay, good. Nope. Nope. We, we manufacture in, uh, in Massachusetts, in Randolph. And I have, um, a partner in Rhode Island that there's some sort of, sometimes there's things I need to partner on. And I have a partner who manufactures in Rhode Island who we work with. So it's all local, mm-hmm. all domestically manufactured. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes these businesses are sort of understanding, like we ordered all of this stuff in September and now it's March and there's no accountability when you're buying things overseas. So, um, people are learning that. And I think that we're, we, we have figured out over these past nine months, almost a year since we started really getting into packaging to, to say, um, what are people looking for? You know, when we ask the question and then how do we give that to them? And then how do we tell them that that's what we can give them? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that sort of, we're still learning, um, but that's definitely where it's going. Yeah. I, I mean, I tell a lot of during, um, I spend a lot of time overseas and I work with small business entrepreneurs globally. And I always say, if you want to grow your business partner with the right and smart business and where there's a communication, constant communication, and you're delivering things and you're being very transparent in regards of this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. And let's just come up with a list of what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? Be prepared for all situations. And you're right. Don't just go easy and cheaper because you know what you get when you go for 
easier and cheaper sometimes. Exactly. And I like what you just said too, about like, let's be transparent. Cause a lot of times I tell my clients, like I like to sleep at night. So I'm never going to tell you something that's not true. Like yeah. it might, I might not love it and you might not love to hear it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say I can do that or I can't do that. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to promise you something and then lay awake at night. Like, I can't believe I did that. Cause I'm not gonna be able to get it done. I will right. never do that. You know, I think that's a mistake. I probably made my youth in my early days. And I learned very quickly that that is not what I want to spend my energy on. So it, it bites you in the butt. It really it does. does. It's, it, yep. totally, it, it, it really, really takes over, um, everything that you are. And so it just destroys your brand by it's, And I, and I tell people, like, it's not lying per se, but it's over promising. Yes. Over promising. Cause in your mind, it's like your belly sees the dick that the plate of food and you're like, Ooh, and then you're like, you eat it and you're like, I feel ill now. I'm yeah. ill. Cause I just ate all this food. I'm like, well, and belly's like, we saw it. We didn't want it. You, what did you do? <laughs> exactly. We told you to stop. You just didn't listen. <laughs> um, two last questions. Um, actually technically three last questions. Um, what would you say to anyone that's listening right now that is thinking about taking over a family business or starting a business? Um, I think that one of the, the biggest thing two I think two things is, um, it's going to be crazy and hard and you're going to think that you can't do it. And there are going to be days. I like, remember days getting up, like in the shower, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this again. I cannot do this again. <laughs> and, and I think it's, so it's okay to feel like that. Like yep. you're going to feel like that. I think it's important to understand that. Like, we don't all get up every day thinking like, we, you know, we all have hard days. And I think sometimes like, um, we have to make sure people understand that because I think that sometimes that gets hidden. Um, and so I would say, understand that you're always going to have bad days, but also make sure that you have the right people around you that you can ask questions to. And don't ever be afraid to ask the question because we've all asked, I've asked so many dumb questions and it's fine. Right. Cause at the end of the day, are there just, really any dumb questions? You know are what? There? I mean, I'm sure I, I don't, you know what, maybe because, but the problem is like the, th- I think the important f- um, point here is like, I've already forgotten. So it doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God. I love that. Um, last now, now the, the last question, um, if you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now, this is the, this is the question I ask everyone. This is the way we end here. Um, if you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's watching you right now, what would be your personal ask and what would be your professional ask? So professionally, if, um, just continuing on the packaging realm of it, I would love to talk just to continue to do market research to anybody who's buying packaging, um, in any sort of industry, but specifically in the cannabis world, um, that would be great for us. If anybody that deals with packaging, um, I'd love to just pick their brains and learn, and understand what I don't know. Um, professionally, I know I said I was, I, I need to think, I, it's like, how do I even think about this? Um, I think, I think professional, uh, I mean, excuse me, personally for me right now, um, I think an ask would be how do you manage 14 year old boys going into high school in the attitude <laughs> in the ter- like, how do people put up with that? I mean, honestly, I know I feel like that's crazy. And I feel like when kids are like 10, 11, 12, you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And then when they get to like 14, 15, you really like are in for it. So truthfully, is there a book or like, is anybody have a book recommendation or a blog that they like? I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I would love to know like how, especially because for me, it's just me. And so sometimes I don't, 
I, I think maybe dads understand young boys better, but I don't necessarily because I'm, you know, I'm a woman. So, um, what, can, how can I understand that? How can I understand him a little bit better? So maybe I can talk to him the right way. And so that he understands what I'm saying. I, I love that. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause like, I see him shut off when I talk to him and I was like, I'm talking too much. Like I, that's a thing I've learned. I'm like, he's, you know, with, with girls, I feel like you could talk to him for an hour and they talk in like five minutes and he's done. You know, well, so like, yeah. that's one thing I've sort of understood. I'm like, oh, that's a guy thing. I get it. Right. But like, what else don't I know? You know, I think that's like fantastic because at the end of the day, like, I have so many friends that have girls and they're like, and I'm like, and I look at them I'm like, oh God, no, like, what is that? And I'm like, I go, I don't want that at all. And they're like, oh my God, they turn into like these little she devils. And then, but then I have my guy friends, my, my, my female friends that have like boys and they're like, they're like, they don't listen. They don't, they're not listening. They just. And I'm like, what is that, that thing that they can do where they're like, eh, yeah, eh, you eh, almost eh. can see it. Like their eyes just glaze over it. And I'm like, okay, you're just like, it's, it's like that. Like, it's actually, I hate to use like, you know, my mother's phrase, but it's actually like in one ear and out the other, like it really is. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I honestly, like, because I don't necessarily have, um, I mean, definitely have you know, men I can ask, but like, I would love, if there's a book or like a resource or a thing that people, somebody likes, I would love to know that for sure. I, you know what? I think that we need to, we'll, we're, we're on it. We're on it. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you so very much for this moment. I mean, like, this is like great. I mean, you like laid out so many different informative things that just like, I mean, just in your talking, you're like doo, doo, dropping another one, dropping another nugget, 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 nugget. So, I mean, thank you so very much. This was awesome. So, this so, was- so, so good. I'm so appreciative as well. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Um, and I always tell people, I go, this isn't the last time because as a former media person, um, you got small businesses and entrepreneurs, innovators um, need to find a way to tell the story and be part of the conversation and not just 30 seconds on the news or a magazine hit. I want to be able to like have this like conversation continuously. So if there are stories that are in the industry, I might just say like, hey, Jess, let's just get on the podcast and let's just talk about something that's in the industry. If there's something that's like comparison and we just bring a couple of people together, but as I've done this, like where I'm meeting people, I'm, I'm just starting to pair people together and it's great for me as well. I'm learning, but also I'm learning. This is very therapeutic. I really love it. I just enjoy laughing and smiling with you guys. Um, but it's, it's a great way to come up with another group in another way. Yeah. That's awesome. Because then you get this whole other, almost like, um, pool of resources. Pool of resources. But I was gonna say pull of resources, but also it shows your clients. I mean, it's like it's it's showing another part of you where they're seeing you, they're working with you, but this is showing you another part of you. And I want people to understand the business, the service, the product is this. The person is so much more. And I want people to understand as small businesses, why are we continually succeeding? Is because we are we're hungry, we're hustlers, we're constantly learning. We're not afraid to ask. We're not afraid to be humble. Um, and literally like with our tail in between our legs saying we messed up and now we need to fix it. So I love to just like bring all these stories to the forefront. So what, so that way people fully understand it's not the 15% of the large companies. It's the 85% of the global small and uh, small and, um, um, innovative, uh, businesses that are really keeping our communities alive. 
Yes. Thank you for helping the small businesses. Because honestly, I do think like I'm uh, such a proponent. I'm like, well, that's not good for small business. That's not good for small business. And sometimes people just don't understand that. So we appreciate it. Yay. All right, my friend, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.